Hey, good morning, everyone. As you can tell, I'm not with you in person. I'm actually standing in my office, so don't focus too much on all the stuff behind me and try to figure out who the crazy faces are in the pictures. That's all part of my family. Uh, but though I'm not here in person, I want to make sure that I introduced our speaker this morning. His name is Keith Beyer. I almost said our guest speaker, but the truth of it is Keith is not a guest. Uh, Keith will treat him like a guest, but Keith is part of our family. Keith actually grew up in this church as a kid. Uh, when I first came to the church, he was just graduating high school, going to college. What I knew of him is that he was an incredible skier, downhill skier, won competitions, uh, and the fact that he never wore socks. I don't know if that's changed as he's grown up, but I mean, he didn't wear socks in the summer. He didn't wear socks in the fall. January and February, he would have uh, loafers on and no socks. So I don't know if that's changed or not. That's what I knew of him then, but as the years have gone by, uh, Keith, uh, of course, went to college, uh, participated in a min ministry back then called Campus Crusade. Now it's just called Crew. He met Lori, his wife, they got married, and they have been serving as missionaries around the world with Crew for the many, many years now. And uh, whenever they come back home, they always come back home to Essex. They will be in people's homes, they visit folks, they come and they serve us and participate in different ways, sharing with us their ministry, their heart for God, and what God's doing around the world. They've been home for the past couple of weeks, and in fact, Lori has already headed back to Hungary, where they now live. Uh, Keith is actually on his way out tomorrow, but before he left, I wanted you to hear from him. I want you to hear what's going on in their lives. I want you to hear what God is doing around the world. And I just want you to get to know them because they are a part of our family and they are our missionaries serving God in places where many of us will never serve, but we can serve through them. So please give a warm welcome to our family member, Keith Byer. Keith, they're all yours. <laughs> Well, that's uh, <clears throat> quite an introduction, and uh, apparently Scott has a really good memory. Um, I do wear socks now, although I get fun socks from my kids that have like little things about breaking things on them. But anyway, um, another story. Uh, it's nice to be here. I mean, I hope you feel that way too, even the idea of gathering. For some of you, maybe gathering for the first time in a long time. Uh, for me, it's at least two years from being here. And uh, it's just a joy to be here. Uh, at the tail end, uh, we've been back in the States for several months for various reasons. And part of that is part of our family has grown in different directions. Uh, our youngest, Nadia, just entered uh, the university. She's a student now, a freshman at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, which I just visited for the first time. And she's studying acting and dancing. <laughs> It sounds like fun, doesn't it? She has no notebooks, she has no books, and, but all the tuition is the same. <laughs> On the other end, our oldest, Emma, just graduated from Florida State University in May with a degree in international relations and Russian language. And um, you kind of can figure where she got that from. And uh, interesting thing, just two weeks ago, she was, uh, she's engaged to be married in the spring. And so that's another step forward in our family. And that whole stepping down the aisle thing with my daughter, I'm not prepared for at all. And in the middle, our son Joel, he's in his final year, his senior year at North Park University in Chicago. And, uh, but right now, he's in Korea 
because his minor is Arabic. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. The reality was that uh, he wanted to study abroad, and this was really the only place he could go, and he's just soaking it up. He's loving it there, and uh, we'll see where the Lord takes him after this. Uh, for Lori and I, it's a, it's a joy to see our kids grow up and choose their paths, and to see where they go, and to see where their background, as they've grown up in countries like the Andean Stan in Central Asia, uh, they spent their formative years, we lived for 12 years in Russia, in Moscow, Russia. And then seven years ago, we moved to Hungary. And so for all of our family, there's just an interesting background that even the question that they get asked when they get to college is, where are you from? <laughs> it's a difficult thing to answer because it becomes a long answer. So we've always given them the default and said, kids, you were all born in Vermont. Just say, I was born in Vermont, and just leave it at that if you don't want to go into a longer explanation. And they do that sometimes. Um, as Scott said, Lori's already back in Hungary. And what do we do? Well, uh, in our ministry that we began serving overseas in 1997, actually, and we have always been motivated to fill in where the needs were. And so for the first literally like 20 years of our ministry, there was a lot of pioneering. We were going places that nobody else wanted to go, doing things that no one was doing because they needed to be done. And interesting thing is God really blessed that to the point now where we find ourselves filling in kind of a different role because within our ministry with Campus Crusade for Christ, and we partner with the Christian Missionary Alliance along the way too, so we do have a lot in common, but we are distinct as an organization. And as we focus primarily on evangelism and discipleship, but we also do church planting alongside church planting organizations like CMNA. And what we've found is that we are doing a lot more to train our national missionaries now than before we had expatriates living, leading the ministries. And now it's a lot more about us helping them lead in a way that would be biblical and pleasing to God and serving their people uh, and, and not leading in a way that they see around them in their culture. And it's a huge challenge, but it's basically where we are now in our ministry. And it's really the result of great progress. And so we give praise to the Lord, and it causes us to have to shift and be ready to move. And so specifically now, I do that sort of leader development, theological education uh, for about 42 countries in Europe. And uh, that's a lot, and I'm humbled by that. Um, my wife, Lori, uh, just this summer was named one of the executive vice presidents of Crew International. And so her, her world is the globe as he, she focuses on workplace leaders and leaders in marketplaces and teachers and musicians and military and all of those categories. And so the Lord has brought us on an interesting path, but we like to see that this is in many ways where it came from. But one of the interesting things about living in Hungary, and as many of you have asked, uh, you say, Keith, you're a smart guy. How come you don't speak Hungarian? Okay, the first part, nobody says. But the second part. Um, <clears throat> and before I go any further, I need to ask this question. Is there anyone here who speaks Hungarian right now in the room? Okay, good. Um, uh, because I'm going to try to say a few things for you in Hungarian. Uh, just to give you an idea of how interesting the language is and why it is a difficult language because of the history of it. And so let me give you a few ideas. 
Uh, if, if you wanted to say to someone, hey, you're blocking my view, get out of the way, you're blocking my view. In Hungarian, you would say, apadnem bolt ulegesh, which means your dad was not a glassmaker. <laughs> How do you get there when you're learning the language? It's just so, it's so Hungarian. Um, so uh, Hungarians wouldn't say, once a thief, always a thief. I mean, we, we kind of have that phrase, right? Once a thief, always a thief. Um, they wouldn't say that. They would say, kuchabol nem lez salona, which means you can't make bacon from a dog. Okay, so when, when a Hungarian will say to you something, when you ask them, how far do I have to go, or how far is it, and they say, it's, it's far, far away. You have to go far, far away to find this place. Um, what, what they would say is, az isten hatat mögül, which is not an easy thing to say, and I probably didn't say it right. Az isten hatat mögül, which means behind God's back which is kind of an interesting idea. It's so far away, it's even the other side of where God is. Interesting. And one of my favorites is when someone comes to your home, uh, they won't just say, welcome to my home. They'll say, Ishten Hozot. Ishten Hozot, which actually means God has brought you here. So why don't we say that? Because it might be something useful uh, for you. Just try it along with me, whether you're at home or, or here in the room or at another campus. Ishten. Hozot. Put it together. Ishten. Hozot. God has brought you here. And I believe that's true right now. Whether you're here in the room, whether you're watching by video or listening to a podcast, I believe that God has brought you here for some reason, for this hour, for this time that we have together. And so I want to pray, and then I want to kind of jump into our topic for this morning. Jesus, uh, you know the future as much as we can experience you in new and different ways. And today, as we consider our life and the message that you would have for us, I just pray that you'd open our eyes and our minds to listen to you and to hear from you, and that you would speak through my words and maybe even in spite of my words. Uh, to make a difference and to guide us on this daily path that we have of walking with you, uh, even today. Amen. In Vermont, we have um, at least four seasons, if you count mud season, maybe five. And this time of year, we have a very unique season where the leaves are changing. And uh, before Lori left, we went on a hike. We went up by the Canadian border in the mountains, and we hiked around and just enjoyed the unique creation and the colors uh, that we could find for this year. It's been a long time since we've been here at this time of year. And interestingly, the colors in Hungary just are very muted. It's nothing like here. And we all kind of know that these seasons come and then we have something that gives us a sign either the weather changes or something happens and it's time for another season. Uh, there's lots of opportunities to, to experience that in a, in, in a climate like this, in a place like this. And it's in the same way that kind of the earth kind of wobbles its way around the sun. We experience these unique times and, and phases and changes in our lives. And, and many times we can think of it too, there's the seasons in our own lives. We have seasons in our lives, right? We have times. We have times that are characterized by certain things that are true of us physically or emotionally. We have these seasons that we come and go through that are not permanent, they're just times, they're periods in our life 
And sometimes they're a hard season. You say, I'm having a, it's a hard season for me right now. It's, it's a difficulty. And others may say, this is a great season in my life. I have a lot of joy. And, and both may be true at the same time. It's, it's sometimes very individualistic. But a season is not described, it's, it's just described by one of those experiences over a period of time. And, and I, I think it's obvious that over, we look back over the last 18 months and we've all experienced a lot of different, I guess you could say seasons. We'd like some of the seasons to pass. Some of them are still with us. Uh, but there's just different things that have come into our lives and things that we've experienced which cause us to, to deal with and wrestle with some newness in our life. Uh, Some of it may be just the idea of restrictions or the fear that comes with life, the stress, being forced to adapt into something else, or even just the idea that you have to learn or you're changing family dynamics. All of those would cause you to experience a different season. Um, I talked to a pastor in Budapest uh, just before I left, and he said, this is a learning-rich season for me. And that was a kind way to say that he had a lot of trouble figuring out how to be a pastor in a world where he wanted to be with people but was at a distance and trying to figure out how to do that. It was a learning-rich environment, he said. It was a new season for him. And so those kind of seasons, I think, are described well uh, if we look into Scripture in the Old Testament. And we're going to take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 today. And the, the verses will be on the screen, but I would encourage you, if you have access to Scripture, to look at it because there's a lot there that I think will catch your eye if you're able to look at it in your own pace. I'll read it through, but I encourage you to take a look as we read today from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So the, the idea that um, we can look back at a book that was literally written 3,000 years ago is amazing to me. Uh, we, can, we can know that uh, the book of Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, which was King David's son. So we have a lot of the Psalms from David and a, a lot of Proverbs from Solomon. And we also have the book of Ecclesiastes. And literally, uh, he describes himself as the, the preacher speaking to his people, to the believers. Ecclesia is a word you may know that basically means the church or the, or the body of believers. And so in, in many ways, it's very easy to understand how he speaks to us today. And so, right from the beginning, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, it says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So we can see that there's a certain timing. It's a certain timing that is God-ordained for these seasons. We don't necessarily choose them. Is a certain timing that comes with them. And we may find ourselves in a season that we look and we say, I wish I was in a different season, honestly. I wish I was somewhere else. And, and in many ways, that the cumulative effects of these seasons is really what forms your life. And if we kind of just wait for this season to pass, we miss out on something that forms us and changes us as people, as believers, as followers of Christ. And so we are left with the chance and the difficulty of navigating through various seasons in life that are based on a certain timing, part of a bigger plan that we don't always understand. But this is what we're left with. And we can also see that, that with timing, and it's a period of time, that seasons will change. And so sometimes just when we get used to a certain season, a certain period in our life, it's going to change. And we may not want that to happen, but that's what happens. And so God is trying to communicate to us. He's trying to grow us. He's trying to draw us to himself through these seasons that he has ordained, that are time based on what his plan is for our lives. 
And we can see that that's going to happen. So today, I kind of want to be able to help you identify what some of those seasons are. Where are you right now? The idea that these seasons will change. And then what do we do about it? How should we respond to it? And so I wanted to read further. In uh, verses 2 through 8, there's a series of 14 contrasting descriptions. Some of them are very concrete. Some of them are pretty symbolic. But it's just describing the extremes of different seasons. And here's what I want to do. I'd like to read through them. And I'd like you just to think back of your life over the last six months or even today, if if you can identify it. Find yourself somewhere in this list. Find out where are you, what season are you in right now? Or have you been in recently? Okay, so I'm going to read it through and just listen and kind of think, where can you find yourself in here? So starting with verse 2. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to dance. Time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep, a time to cast away. A time to tear, a time to sow. A time to keep silence, time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war time for peace. There's so much in those verses. I think you can recognize something. I think you can relate to some part of that. And at the same time, you might be also relating to the contrasting season that you kind of wish you were in. Uh, For myself, uh, it really struck me that the time to embrace and the time to refrain from embracing have you experienced that? I think we all have, where you kind of go to talk to somebody and you're not really sure what to do. It's the handshake or you come in or the elbow. Uh, it's uncomfortable. And, and honestly, if you're, if you're a hugger, this has been a difficult season, okay? We can just say it that way. Um, it's just difficult. We don't know what to do. We want to express our love and, and enjoyment of being with somebody. But at the same time, we have this personal space and something that we want to honor I think about um, a time to plant. I feel like I'm in that place right now, thinking about the future, planting something that will take time and nurturing to grow, but will come and, and appear and grow into something wonderful. How can I start that now? Is that a relationship? Is that something I start to do? Is it, I, I don't know, honestly, but I feel like I'm at the beginning of that right now. Um, a time to love. This is a tough one. Um, with, with our kids spread out in different places, especially during COVID, and in Hungary, we were completely stuck. We couldn't leave. We could leave, but we couldn't come back, which is a bit of a problem. And honestly, we, even to go to the States to be with our kids, what are we going to do? And as each one of them uh, contracted COVID, it was a difficult thing to watch, honestly. Uh, and for our daughter, Emma, uh, she got sick in, in August of 2020, and she was preparing to move into a house to live with some girls, and they had it all figured out. Uh, and before she did that, she was basically homeless. She was just living in different people's homes until their lease began. 
Well, just at that point, she contracted COVID. She couldn't stay where she was because someone else was moving in. She couldn't move into her new home because she had COVID. She was literally stuck. She was homeless. And we didn't know what to do. I said that she's engaged now. Well, at that point, her her boyfriend uh, demonstrated his love towards her in a wonderful way. He moved out of his own apartment, let her move in, and he slept on the floor somewhere else. And it drew them together in a way that gives them great confidence now that they've lived through some very difficult times, even in their dating relationship. It was a time to love, even though it was a time of sickness. And and I feel like it's really drawn our family together in a lot of ways that we've had to find this time together, whether it be by the screen or in some other way. Um, But you can find in this situation, there's a time to love. So when we think about these seasons, we can kind of feel like we don't want to be there. We can feel like we want to be in a different season. We can feel like we want to change something. And honestly, the, the season that we're in is just part of the, the atmosphere, is part of the air that we're breathing. But how we respond to it makes the difference. And I think this is part of what God's plan is, that he will either allow or cause things to come into our life that we have an opportunity to respond to. And it was interesting. I, I saw this quote uh, that I don't know if it's unique to Greg Grishel, who's a, a pastor, an author, a podcaster, is a great source of information and inspiration. And he, he posted this quote. That I'm not sure where it came from. And it said, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. Doesn't that make sense? If it's not God's time, you can't force it. But if it is God's time, you can't stop it. Doesn't that really fit in with this idea that we, we're in this situation and it's difficult and we want to get out of it, but it's still what God has in mind. And we can't really get out of it because he's leading us towards something. We can fight against it, but maybe there's something bigger happening that we're, un, that we're unaware of. So I think I really fought against this in a lot of ways, the, the difficulties that we faced. Uh, a lot of my ministry involves travel. Uh, I travel around the region, specifically Central and Eastern Europe, and I do training, problem solving, uh, teaching, different things. I don't travel now. Okay. Um, uh, Our field staff do a lot of in-person ministry, and that's kind of what you imagine. You saw in the video earlier that it's face-to-face. It's life-on-life. Can't do that. Most of our our staff, we have about 1,000 full-time missionaries now in Europe, Most of them are more of the extroverted people side of things. And now we're saying, um, you need to say in front of a screen and figure out how to do this. Really difficult, very difficult. And so we had to think about what are the risks? A lot of our staff was like, I'm still gonna go out and just meet people and I'm just gonna take these risks on myself. Literally in a lot of parts of our our world that I work in, the the idea of a vaccine or something is still uh, elusive and uh, very few people have had access to it. And so they're literally taking their life in their hands by doing this. So the the cost of doing their ministry suddenly was was quite high, as you can imagine. These are really difficult times, and what do you do? How do you encourage your staff? How do you teach in this environment? How do you keep things moving forward? Well, interesting thing that happened was uh, about... 
I would say it was nine years ago, we started an emphasis on developing our digital presence and our digital strategies, as we call it, ways to reach people with the gospel and even disciple them through digital means. Now, a lot of our staff didn't really use a lot of that because they just loved the face-to-face part. But interesting thing was, is we had all of this infrastructure and all these things available and developed, and now we had to use them. And so it was a pivot to say, okay, how do we reach people in the digital space that we have created, we have the tools, and now we all have to learn together? And so we did, and found that a lot of people were seeking that community that they once had, but they were looking for it online. And that by putting yourself out there, like as a missionary, we always want to make ourselves visible. We want people to know who we are and where we are and what we do. So doing that in the digital spaces is is a little bit tricky and and there's a lot of trial and error. But as we started to see uh, small groups of people who are exploring things about faith because everything around them was just crashing down and they thought, well, maybe I'll try God. Others who couldn't go to church were looking for a Bible study or other ways that they could connect with other believers. And so suddenly the ability to reach out and develop and and disciple was happening in huge numbers all across our region because God had led us 10 years ago to start to develop these tools. And so it was a struggle, but we had to make this switch. We had to make this pivot. An interesting thing that we found was that the lack of travel and trying to take a a training that I would do that would normally be four or five days and figure out how to do it uh, through a screen was obviously a lot different. But we actually found that it was a lot more effective in some ways because for sure we're not going to take four days in a row and do that. That would just be cruel and unusual, right? And so what we started to do was just to take a couple of days and do the training and then give them a week to try it out and then come back again and do the rest of it and then have them try it out. And so it was kind of a learn as you go along. We could never do that with travel because it would be ridiculously expensive to be going back and forth. We found that one, it was less disruptive to our staff to not have to travel to a location to where we would gather. And two, it became more effective because they were learning and trying and learning and trying and they had a community that they were connecting with online across all of these countries that we serve in. It was amazing to watch it happen and it was exciting, but it was difficult. We all had to basically let go of what we had known, the things that we had tried before, and stop trying to just postpone and delay things and just say, we're not gonna wait for some normal normalcy to return. We're gonna just step into this world that we're in now and try to figure out how to do it differently. And what I think kind of helps when I think about this is that I believe that God can redeem even our struggles and even us pushing back against what he wants to do. Because at the end of this passage or this section in verse 11, Ecclesiastes 3.11, there's just a short phrase there. And it says, he, meaning God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Meaning all of these things that the, the different seasons and all of those things He can redeem it. He can use it for part of his plan. And if we let him, we can allow him to let it grow in us, to allow us to grow closer to him in the process. And we might not understand it. We might try to fight against it, but he can make it beautiful. And it's such an interesting word that we get, a picture, for something that in many ways could feel uncomfortable, even ugly in some ways. Let me give you an example. Um, the ministry that we have in the country of Ukraine 
is probably the most fruitful that we have in all of, uh, all of Central and Eastern Europe at this time, uh, all of Europe for that matter. And during a time of great trouble for them, even before COVID, uh, they have Russian aggression coming in on the east and basically kind of moving the border uh, towards Kiev, the capital. And so now at this point, the eastern side of their country is kind of a semi-autonomous region and there's no real control of that. Um, our ministry themselves, in addition to all that that was happening, uh, a few years ago, they developed a student center in the city uh, center, a place for students to come. And they did training there, but it was also just a place to hang out and attract students. Um, they got a notice in the mail that somebody else now owned the building that they had bought. And someone had basically bribed a judge and a lawyer to go back and change the paperwork. And so now they're saying, we own it. And if you want a paperwork to go back, you have to pay us this extortion. These kind of things happen. So at a time where the ministry in Ukraine was growing and growing and overflowing that they're sending missionaries across the world now, they have Russia coming in and trying to basically take part of their country, already took Crimea, but that's another story, uh, and, and the, their whole student center basically being stolen through nefarious means. And at the same time, God is blessing them because in a place where there's a lot of difficulty and not a lot of confidence in the government and in the finances, People will choose God, and that's what's happening. So you fight against one part of it, and you don't want it to happen, but at the same time, good things can be happening. It's, it just has to look, you have to look sometimes. And then what happens is sometimes we can maybe get used to the season we're in, and then it changes. Change is difficult. Change can happen, and then it causes us to go through a transition. We have to adapt in some way. Things around us happen, they change, and then it's up to us to figure out, how am I going to respond to this? And as you look around, there's been a lot of changes. There's a lot of things going on, and it's not easy. And I'm just saying that it's around the world. And... I think it's easier for people who've grown up and live in countries where there's less freedom and more authority exerted upon them to deal with some of these things than for a lot of us in America where we're used to basically self-determining what we do and how we do it. It is much more difficult when change is inflicted upon us, how we adapt, how we respond to it is more difficult. The people that I work with, especially in the former communist countries, this is a lot easier for them. They're like, yep, that didn't happen. Yep, we lost that. Oh, that's gone now. And they move on. It's harder for us. But I think it's a way that God gets our attention. Because if you remember, Psalm 23 talks about walking through troubled times. is literally written, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, which doesn't sound very good, honestly. But it says at that time that God is comforting us. Now, I think we'd all rather say, hey, could you, could you guide me somewhere else? Let's not go through that valley. And God could do that, but it's no, it's God is comforting us as we walk through that difficult time. It's part of his plan if we let it be. Again, it's, it's largely up to us because what happens is he will shake our world. This is part of what God does to get our attention. Hebrews 12, 26 and 27 
uh, gives you an example of one of the ways that God gets our attention when he says, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. God causes things to be shaken up in our world so that we can see the things that are not shaken, the things that remain true, the things that are persevering through that. And so when our lives are shaken, when things are happening around us that are difficult, what hasn't changed is God, his love for us, and the relationship that we have with us. And that should come back into focus because this is part of the way God works, that he gets our attention through some of these things. It's, if you've ever been in a place, when we lived down in, the, in the Central Asia, there's a lot of earthquakes. I'd never experienced that. My wife's from California. It was somewhat normal. Uh, and when an earthquake would happen and things were literally going up and down and side to side, you would look for something and try to reach for something that wasn't moving. You'd try to find a stable place, which, of course, there isn't because everything's moving. This is what happens in life, that when things get shaken, we start looking around for something that's not shaken. This is exactly what's happening in my story about Ukraine, that when things get difficult, the things that they count on are gone. They start looking for something that remains, and that's God. Unfortunately, difficulties and strife and war and financial difficulties is where we see the greatest growth of the gospel. Has God got your attention? Because it's here. And it's hard. Just recently in, in Russia, where we lived for 12 years, and constantly we're battling with their visa situation and, and really not being on the favored nation list, you could say. Um, just recently, they passed uh, some laws that said that you could no longer, for those that are there on a, on a category that basically missionaries are there for, you can no longer bring family members with you as part of your visa. And it's always been one of those things that, like, I would have a, a work permit or a visa, and when you could list your family members, and you're all included. Well, they just announced that was gone. At the same time, uh, our, our ministry office in St. Petersburg was, uh, was hit with 13 lawsuits by the immigration department that was basically fabricated uh, in a way to cause the ministry to go bankrupt. And so both of those things happening in different ways in different cities has caused all of our expatriate missionaries to leave. That will shake your world. And but what I think is starting to happen and what I start to see happen as I talk to our leaders there is it's finally, Russia is one of the last places where we have expat missionaries. And now that they're gone, it's time. It's time for them to own it and to lead it forward. That's difficult. But they have to go back to what they knew, that God is still true, he still cares for them, and that they're called to something. And what it does is it really gets you back into that sense where as believers you say, I'm dependent upon the Lord for something. I would say that's true for me. I'm dependent on the Lord for what I do, for the results that I wish to see. But if ever I had to have that tested, it's been in this last year or so. Because everything that I've learned to do, the things that I would call my expertise, the things that are part of my gifting that I contribute, I've had to figure out another way of doing it. And to open up my hands, meaning all of my tools, the things that I do, and my heart to think, how do I do this differently now? And to say, Lord, I really am dependent on you now. And I think that's the response that we're being called to, is to go back and say, I really am dependent on the Lord. And that if we can come to him with open hands to think about how to do things, how to live differently, 
and an open heart to see things differently and to think about things differently, I think we'll start to see what it is exactly that God has in mind for each of us. Let me close with this story. Uh, recently, I was talking to a, a doctor uh, here in town. And at the, seeing what was coming with the pandemic, uh, they, they, they gathered the physicians in the practice and they wanted to decide, what do we do? Do we close? Or how do we respond to this? And to their credit, and I would say to their credit of people who work in healthcare in general, they realized that this is the time that we are here as doctors for when people are sick. It is our calling as doctors to heal people who are sick and to keep people who are healthy, healthy. And so they continued to serve and do what they could, learning and taking the risks that were necessary. In the same way, our calling as Christians, as followers of Christ, is to help heal a sick world, to reunite the divisions we see around us. The ministry of reconciliation, of bringing sides together, is what God's plan through Christ was designed to do. And that is our job, is to bring a world to Christ. That is what unifies us. There are plenty of things which divide us in this world today. But Christ is the thing that unites us. And that's where we need to be camping out. That is our calling, is to figure out how to build bridges to people we do not agree with and we see things differently. To find common ground and then to have that opportunity to explain why in this dark time you still have hope and light that you can shine. Because it's at for a time like this that the church needs to be the ones that stand out. I don't just say that to you, I say it to me. And as I thought about what to say this week, I kind of didn't want to have to even say that. I didn't want to have to talk about this because it's uncomfortable. And, and I'm sorry if it leaves you feeling uncomfortable, but I just see this as something that the whole world is facing together. What a unique time in history that the whole world is facing something that's in common and that we have the opportunity as followers in Christ to have a hope that we can share. If we take the time to let go a little bit of all the things that we're looking at around us, lift up our eyes and find those opportunities. Would you stand and pray with me, please? Jesus, you call each of us in a unique way to serve you, and yet we have a message to give, to bring a, a hurting fractured world back together to you. And I just pray that you give us the words to say, that you give us the courage to take the steps of faith, and that to use the gifts and the talents and even the, the leverage, the, the point in we have in life, the people that are around us, what we do for a job, the things that we fill our time with, that you would allow us to think about openly how you'd want us to use those things and to let go of so much we're holding on to and really experience that dependence that you want us to have. You've got our attention. Now we want you to speak to us. And so for that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's great to be with you. If you want to hear... Any... <clears throat> Thank you. It's not for me. If you want to hear more about what's going on in our part of the world, you can send me an email buyer at aol.com b-e-y-a-r at aol.com can you hear the dial-up modem when i say that it's it's old but anyway great to be with you thanks have a great day